0: All right, we are John Guthrie and Kaylee Durrance. And we are Under under the the tower. Tower today, and we have a special. Special show, Kaylee.
1: Yeah, we do. Well, we should first say it is March, or excuse me, yes, it is March. Yeah, it is March, believe it or not. We are in Colorectal Cancer Awareness Month. Correct. Which is a very big month. If you see a lot of blue, not only is it Halifax blue, but it's also the color of colorectal cancer awareness.
0: And it brings us Gina Lawrence, who is our navigator for gastrointestinal cancer.
2: Yes. Hello.
1: Welcome.
2: Thank you. I'm happy to be here.
1: I think it's. I think today's gonna be special for sure. It's a whole different uh, story today.
0: Well, and we've never done a uh, offered someone to come in who's receiving our services well, currently to hear how it is. So this is great, and we have Brandon Florio from Deland here. Brandon, welcome. Hi.
1: Hi. I mean, it's. I, we're so happy to hear your story today. I'm sorry, it's on. Not um, fun circumstances, but your story seems amazing.
3: Yeah, it's 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 something.
0: So how does it start? Yeah.
3: Well, so about a year ago, um, I was in my prime. Um, I'm 27. At the time, I was 26. Um, I was working out twice a day. I was in the best shape of my life. Um, I'm a dancer of 20 years. Oh wow! So. I was performing with UCF. Cool. Um, nice. I do color guard with um, UCF Pegasus is the group that I do, and um, they're one of the top ten color guards in the world.
0: Wow, um, I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't either.
3: So harder I've been doing than it
0: looks. It's spinning a flags lot. and all that stuff. I don't
3: spin the flags. I spin oh. the uh, rifles and the. Oh, you're the rifle the, guy. Yeah. Nice. So, and it's really hard, really yeah. fun. But I've been doing it for forever, and I was performing, and so that's kind of how it all started. Um, I was dealing with what I thought was hemorrhoid pain, um, which
2: I've heard
0: can be painful. Gina, is that a painful situation?
2: Very painful,
0: mm-hmm. but not as painful as what it you found was out, right, like Brandon?
3: Toe curling pain. Like Ooh. I literally would be up. I was getting one hour to two hours of sleep every night. I wasn't able to function. Like I was. You know, passing back and forth between Tylenol and ibuprofen, and I right, was still not right. numbing the pain. I would still have to. I was looking towards like herbal remedies, like um, using kratom or kratom, like you know things like that. And even that, like on top of everything, wasn't doing anything. Like, and you I were was,
0: in school at UCF, also.
3: No, no, no you a, were
0: twirling for. The, no, you're done.
3: I'm not doing that anymore. But I got gotcha, you. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. I was you used at to. the time. Oh, gotcha. Um, okay. So yeah, I was I was touring with them and doing their thing. Um, and I was just in so much pain, and I would go out every weekend and I would talk to my friends. Um, you know, I, we had talked a little bit., um, I am gay. So like it's very common for those types of conversations to come up in my friend group. We're very open and we're very, sure. you know, honest about everything. And I was just like, you know, have you guys had hemorrhoids before? And they were like, yeah. They were like, "Okay, w- like, where is this conversation mm. going?" And I was like, "I've just been in so much pain," and like, I explained it to my friend, and he actually stayed the night with me because I was closer. He was from Jacksonville, so he stayed the night with me before going to UCF because we were dancing together, and he like saw how much pain I was in, and he mm. was like, "You should probably get that checked out." That's like, not that's normal. that's not mm. hemorrhoids. Right. He's like, "I've," right. he's like, "That's something that I've dealt with," and that's not what that is. So I went in and I met up with actually a um, gastroenterologist. And I got a colonoscopy done there, um, which came up with nothing. Really? And Yeah. So Interesting. it came up with nothing.
1: So the, the doctor just said, you're clear. Go home. You're yeah, good to go.
3: Yeah. Wow. And so I just was still dealing with this really bad pain. And at this point, it got to the point where like I was throwing up. I was, like, I couldn't breathe. Like, when I would have spurts of the pain, I, like, it was just crippling pain. So I went to Dr. Ritter, and he's incredible, by the way. Um, Not to, like, gas him up or, like, Halifax, but, or, well, I guess he's with Advent now, but, um, you know, Dr. Ritter was incredible. Um, And he he was like, well, you know what, I want to take a look. Let me, let me see, because, you know, I just, I told him, I was like, my gut is telling me that there's something wrong. There, this isn't just, because they did find hemorrhoids, but I was just like, there's no way, like, it, there's no way that, right. you know, I was at this point, I had bought a numbing cream. Like, it was literally mm. the highest amount of lidocaine that you could use, and that wasn't numbing the pain. Mm-hmm. So I was just like, you know, something is wrong. So we did an exam under anesthesia, and he noticed that there was a knot in my rectum about, I think it was like two inches from the, the rectum, like really close. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was like, this isn't normal. So he stuck the, the needle or the, um, he got the specimen, he broke through the rectal wall because it was on the other side. Wow. And so mm-hmm. it came up about three or four days later, I was at work and he called me and he um, left me a message and he was like, it's of utmost importance. And I stepped out of. I was in training actually for my job, um, and he was like, "You, you. It came up positive. You have cancer." Um. So I have neuroendocrine carcinoma, which is a carcinoid cancer that. Um. I don't know where it typically lives. Do you know where it, it's? normally found
2: so a neuroendocrine tumor the neuroendocrine is the type of cells that it's made out of and it can affect uh, like our endocrine system makes hormones so it can affect you differently than a typical type of cancer Uh, serotonin is something that you have to watch closely with this type of tumor neuroendocrine tumors can pop up anywhere where yours is at is especially rare though
1: so to, to, to stop you right there, to dumb it down a bit, if you will, when he called you and said you have cancer and the type that you had was so rare for what we normally see with colorectal cancer, right? Yeah. Okay.
3: Um, so he even, in explaining it, because, I mean, layman's term, you hear neuroendocrine carcinoma and you're like, God bless you. like That's a, right. Right. wow, that's a ridiculously long word. Yeah. And I still don't know how to really spell it. So, yeah. you know, it's like, he was like, "You have neuroendocrine carcinoma. It's a carcinoid cancer." He's like, it, "And it was weird." So I resent it to the lab because he was like, it, "It doesn't usually live there." He goes, "I've seen it there before," which that that was lucky. That is where you had asked me if I felt lucky. That mm-hmm. is where the luck starts to come in. And he was like, "You know, I've seen it." I think it was either him or Dr. Dr. Weiss. Weiss. It was Dr. Weiss that had said he had seen it before. He sent it
2: to another lab just to make sure.
3: And, you know, they were like, I've seen it before, but it's very rare. So Dr. Weiss had resent it in. um, And so Dr. Ritter recommended me to um, Dr. Weiss, and I met with him for the first time, and...
0: What did you think of him?
3: He is ridiculous. Yeah. I love He's Dr. So he so is cool. such a character. He is so cool. He is Aww. so much fun. Mm-hmm. I love Dr. Weiss. Like, I it's. I always tell him, I was like, you know, I love coming to see you guys, but I hate the terms that it's on. Like, I wish <laughs> that we could have met somewhere else. Because, Great point. Yeah, I hate the reason that I have to go to see him, but, you know, it's always, even in the hard conversations, you know, I feel comfortable and yeah. safe, and, you know, I feel like he has my best interest Absolutely. in mind. Absolutely. Um, and so I went and saw him for the first time and he wanted a big thing about my cancer is it's very aggressive. Um, and it, it usually moves pretty quick um, from what Dr. Weiss was saying.
2: I think, too, before you came and saw him, correct me if I'm wrong, I remember meeting you for the first time. You came t- into our ER.
3: I uh, So I actually had met you right after meeting Dr. Weiss. So I had met. It was very, very fast. So this cancer moves lightning quick.
1: You mean they acted fast too? Oh yeah.
3: So, and Dr. Weiss, because he had seen it before, was like, we need to move quick. So within, I think it was within a week or 10 days, I had met Dr. Weiss for the first time, told him, Hey, I'm in a lot of pain. And he was like, okay, well, this is Gina's number. You need to have this number saved. And I was like, okay, we set the PET scan because he wanted to make sure I could get a PET scan uh, just to make sure that it hadn't moved. Um, and I, he was like, can you fight for a week for that? And I was like, yes. And so I fought so hard to fight through the week.
1: Meaning dealing with the pain. Dealing with mm-hmm. the pain
3: and where, like just everything. And during all of this, I had actually just... I was in the middle of moving from one apartment to the next. Um, so all of this was happening oh. while I'm moving from one apartment to the next. So all of that happened. And then I... Right after it was the same day, so for a PET scan of the rectum, I can't remember honestly. Um, so I think you have to do enemas, yes, in order to clean yourself out to make sure that it's not cloudy and there's no um anything there. Um, and so I had done that in the morning and I had noticed a little bit of blood when I was, um, cleaning out mm-hmm. it's there's really no nice way to really talk about this it's right. it's, it's right. colorectal yeah, yeah. It's, right. it's really uh-huh. no there's nothing that you can really do to make it a little bit easier um, but so I was cleaning out noticed a little bit of blood and so I was like oh okay that's not normal and I went in I got the PET scan I got home and I pushed out a little bit more stool Um because I was blocked. I was mm-hmm. very blocked. Is uh, that a
1: side effect of the cancer?
2: Or? Yes. Yeah. So a lot okay. of times with a colon cancer, the tumor can be large enough that it actually causes a blockage of our colon so that you're unable to move your bowels, which is a medical emergency.
3: So <sighs> I had a lot of stool. And so I did another enema when I got home because I just felt terrible because of it. Like you know, being constipated sucks. It really is just miserable. So I tried to, you know, get a little bit more stool out um, and uh, like a large amount of blood came out. And so I started freaking out. I was so scared. I called Gina and she was like, meet me at the hospital. I will have a room ready. And so within, I think it was either seven to 10 days of me discovering that I had cancer, I got admitted to Halifax. Um, And I don't remember much. I remember sobbing in the, the waiting room because I was just in so much pain and I was just so scared. Um, and Gina came and got me and they got me on um, on a, a bed and I was in the the um, ER and Dr. Weiss was off. He mm-hmm. was not working mm-hmm. and Gina called Dr. Weiss and he came in on his day off to, to be with me when they admitted me. And they gave me some pain medicine and I remember as I was falling asleep Gina and Dr. Weiss talking to my parents and you know just to give some weight to it Dr. Weiss said and I this is like burned into my soul he said we're going to get you up and we're going to take care of you because I don't want to lose you and like at 27 years old that's not those aren't words that you expect to hear Right, You know, and I, like I said, I was in my prime. I mean, right. Gina probably remember seeing me. I was, so right now after surgery and chemo, I am 145 to 150. Um, I Pounds. was, yeah, I was 165 when I first went in and it was solid muscle. Yeah. Like I was at my strongest, my best shape.
0: It probably helped.
3: Oh yeah, right? it definitely helped save my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, great. you know, when you're, Doing those types of things, you are I don't want to say you're more vigilant, but you pay attention to your body. Sure. You know, you're, you know when something's off. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I definitely think that that helped me feel in my gut, you know, there's something wrong. Like, I'm being taken out. Like, I'm a strong guy, and I cannot handle this. So, you know, there's something wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. So, I got admitted, and I was in the hospital for 10 days. Um, and I got my first round of chemo that, that weekend.
1: Um, so you go from one week ago, f- finding out on the phone that you have cancer to coming into the hospital to now staying at the hospital for 10 days, g- undergoing chemo uh, right away.
3: Yeah. So
2: put I made
3: the comment about like, I blacked it out, like for emotionally, sure. like I am probably going to have to see a therapist to unpack Absolutely. all that package Cause like I reflect on it, and I don't remember anything. And how old are you? I'm 27. You know, Mm -hmm. that's... It was shocking. Yeah. It was... I went from two weeks before being... I was lifting weights at the gym. I was eating... 4,000 calories a day like yeah. really trying out my only site like the only thing that I saw in my site was you know Oh, I want to reach 170 pounds. I want to bench 200 pounds like, you know, I'm like, oh, yeah All of my fitness goals and like where I want to travel and Everything I had just changes. gotten this great job in home insurance So I was you know, I was seeing the future and then two weeks later. I was in the hospital getting chemotherapy and not only chemotherapy I was getting um, cisplatin which is one heck of a drug let's just say that it's it's definitely rough on your body
2: yeah it's a type of chemotherapy and the toxicities from it a lot of side effects from that
3: it's it's definitely a hard thing to go through so you know I never I always say it to Gina and to Dr. Weiss I never had time to even stomach the fact that I had cancer and like even like I'll. I, even in writing my notes, I wrote, like, I have a rare type of cancer. And, like, just writing that is it's hard to stomach still mm-hmm. a year later that this is something that I'm dealing with in real time and I'm, I'm fighting through this.
1: So after the 10-day stint at the hospital, then what?
3: So I ended up going home. Um, I didn't eat, like, the entire time I was in the hospital. Um, and this was April. Um, very specifically, it was April 20th. Um, I remember that day like is burned in my Mm -hmm. brain um, was the day that I was admitted to the hospital.
1: Is that just a side effect from the chemo that you're not hungry?
3: Um, Yes. I was also just emotionally. I could not. I I just slept all the time. I didn't leave my bed for like a month straight. The only time I left my bed was to go get chemo. Mm -hmm. I would just sit and sulk and cry with my parents because, you know, 27 years old, you don't. You don't expect to fight cancer, especially colorectal cancer, you know, uh, something like that. And of that, a rare type of cancer where, you know, I see um, we have a connection. Dr. Weiss is um, connected to the world's leading expert in my type of cancer at Moffitt Cancer Center in um, Tampa. Wow. So, you know, and even talking to him, it's, well, you know, the treatment is controversial. And I quote... You know, oh the treatment's controversial oh you know we, we hope because you know there's no answer to whether I'm gonna survive this you know but I'm gonna obviously I'm gonna fight it and I'm, I'm going trying. to you know enjoy life and I'm going to you know prioritize my health but you know it's it's scary and especially hearing those words it's you know it's hard to stomach.
2: I think we forgot to mention, too, not only is it a neuroendocrine tumor, but it's a small cell neuroendocrine tumor. So the small cell part of it, um, we have, you've probably heard of small cell lung cancers. They're very aggressive, which is what makes Uh your cancer very aggressive.
1: So where are you now on your cancer journey?
3: So I actually had beat it. So I was in remission. Wow. For three months. Um, We had thought that I beat it. Um, I had done three months of chemotherapy and then two months after that of radiation um, on the area to kill the tumor. I had a nine centimeter tumor or it was eight and a half Mm -hmm. to nine. Oh. Um
1: before or after chemo
3: before chemo
1: and that's rather large right Gina
0: huge
2: okay yes it was it was very large on imaging and actually if i remember correctly and you correct me if i'm wrong you came into the er in excruciating pain because you had such a large tumor and a blockage and in even after the first rounds of chemo you felt significantly different and so better
3: so i had been in pain for about 2 months straight of excruciating pain And I remember getting really emotional on the drive home because my best friend drove me home. And he asked me, he goes, so how was your pain? And I just looked at him and I was like, I haven't been in pain since I started chemo. So immediately the next day, I woke up the next day. I do remember that. I woke up the next day after my first round of chemotherapy. And I felt terrible. I was nauseous. Mm -hmm. I was throwing up. But I wasn't in pain. Wow. And I, that was the most wild part about all of this was waking up the next day, and I was in no pain
0: at all. And why is that, Gina? That, that
2: um, So what we hope for with chemotherapy is we're shrinking that tumor. Um, our goal is to get rid of it, okay. but also, so chemo radiation together, they, they work together. A lot of times chemotherapy is a sensitizer to radiation, so they both work to shrink the tumor, but chemo helps radiation even more, shrink that tumor. And our goal is, especially for colorectals or even rectal cancers, is to shrink the tumor enough that maybe we could have a surgeon go in and cut out that area for any residual disease and then you know, you're, you're cured, you're in remission. And is
0: the pain because the tumor's taking up space that isn't really there? He
2: was probably in so much pain because he also was obstructed, meaning gotcha. the tumor was so large that he wasn't <sighs> able to move his bowels, oh, wow. if you can imagine. Yeah. Um, so you beat it, and then you didn't?
3: Yeah, so um, to add on with Gina, too, about the pain is I was also obstructed. I couldn't urinate either. It was mm-hmm. so large. And
1: you're at home by, by this point.
3: At this point, I was. Wow. But, um, that's
1: right. At, I forgot.
3: I couldn't urinate, so I had to have a catheter the entire time I was in the hospital, um, which that was fun, but um, mm-hmm. that's a whole other story. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I had a catheter the entire time I was in the hospital, and um, the whole goal before I could leave was that I had to pass stool, um, and I hadn't gone to the bathroom the entire time I was at the hospital, so... It was bad. It was really, really obstructing it. Um, and so, you know, when I got home, um, wait, wait,
1: wait. You did you did, did we meet our goal of yeah. going to the bathroom? Yeah, I wasn't okay. able
3: to leave. The nurse was like, "You can't leave until you poop." And okay. I was like, "Well, then I guess I have to go to the bathroom." Yeah,
1: and we and did so, it. We yeah, did. Okay. I
3: eventually reached that goal. But um, I remember I had to stay an entire. It was like an entire twenty four hours after I was able to leave because I couldn't go to the bathroom. Yeah. Um. So yeah that was crazy um, that whole experience of being in the hospital was just a nightmare, but you know being at Halifax and being around the the nurses were so knowledgeable and so warm, and they were just you know they were there to help me they you could really feel that they wanted to help me yeah. um but so okay, next step was i I beat it, so about five months later. I returned to work and I was cancer free, or so I thought. Um, And so the three months came up um, and Dr. Wise was like, okay, we're gonna do a PET scan and an MRI. And this is just the normal, you know? He was like, you know, this is just to make sure. We never know, you don't know. So, you know, we need to make sure. Um, And because my cancer moves so quickly, I have to get scans every three months. Um, for the first two years, I think. Good. Mm -hmm. So normally, correct me if I'm wrong, it's three months for the first year. And then after that it switches to six months and then it switches to 12 months. But for me, because my cancer is most likely to return in the first five years, for five years they have to be on top of it. Because in those three months, and you'll find out um, in a second, in those three months it can move. Mm -hmm. Um, So I went in for the PET scan And, you know, I laid down. I just felt sick that whole day. I was so scared. Um, And I I feel like I have a pretty good intuition. You know, I feel like in my gut is pretty strong, you know, and I just felt in my heart. I was like, there's something there because I was starting to deal with a little bit of pain again. And I told Dr. Weiss, I was like, it's not painful, but it almost feels like hemorrhoid pain. It almost feels like a, a slight every once in a while, there'd be like a slight sting. And I was like, and I just feel in my heart. I was like, I feel it in my gut. And so I went in and they found something that they couldn't really explain. They were like, it could be just scar tissue. And, you know, they were like, it could be scar tissue. Um, but a month prior, I had seen Dr. Strasberg at Moffitt and he put on the table um, getting a resection of my colon.
2: That's a surgery.
3: So he had recommended that surgery. And we were like, well, let's, let's. we decided as a team, me, Dr. Weiss, and Gina, um, we talked about it and decided to wait and see. Um, just because, you know, with my, my cancer, again, it's all controversial.
1: Wait on the surgery. Yeah. Okay.
3: So with my cancer, you know, it's all, there's a, so many unknowns, um, and especially where mine is at.
2: But tell them part of the surgery would leave him with?
3: A colostomy bag for the rest of my life.
1: So that was one of the side effects that if you chose to do that, you would have that.
3: The surgery that was put on the table that day, yeah. yes, was, you know, they were going to in in layman's terms, sew my rectum shut. Yeah. And remove everything.
1: So you wait you chose not to?
3: I chose not to. Yeah. Um, and the reason being is my age mainly for me, you know. It quality of life. Having mm-hmm. and now now I wish I would have known what I do now back then, because honestly, I would have just done it. I would have just committed and said, send it, just do it. Because, you know, uh, what I know now, now granted, I'm happy because everything happens for a reason. And I think that that's like the moral to my story is, you know, if you listen to your gut and you believe that everything happens for a reason, everything will happen for a reason.
1: So, but where are you on the journey from where you, so where did you go from here?
3: So a month later, I went in for my PET scan, they found the the tissue and Dr. Weiss was like, so we could wait and see what's happening or we could do the surgery. And he was like, and he, you know, he left it to me but I could tell that he was kind of like, we should probably do the surgery. So I decided to do the surgery um, and we talked to Dr. Ritter and they, Dr. Ritter and Dr. Weiss, side note, are like best friends. They talk regularly. They go get dinner. They're, they're friends. And so Dr. Weiss was talking to Dr. Ritter, and he was like, you know, I just really don't want this, this kid because, you know, Dr. Weiss always calls me a kid. Um, he's always, you know, you're young. He's like, I have children that are your age. You know, he's like, you're young. And so he's like, this kid doesn't want to have a colostomy bag for the rest of his life. What can we do? And he was like, well, I can try. And he was very, even in the hospital bed um, going to get the surgery, he was, you know, it was very, well, I can try. Um,
1: What does that mean, I can try?
3: We can try to save my rectum. Got it, okay. And save my ability to pass stool um, like normal. Well, I don't want to say normal because, you know, a a big part of this, and I'm going off topic a little bit, but um, I promise I'll go back. <laughs> um, is you know, I just wish that colostomy bags and ileostomies were talked about more because it is so normal. And I really learned that so many people have colostomy bags mm-hmm. and ileostomy bags, and I have an ileostomy, which it lives a little bit higher. Than the colostomy bag, so my stool is all water. Um, so I don't pass hard stool. Um, I pass liquid. Um, so, but back to the story of mm. where we were at. He, um, he was like, "I can try." Um, you know, we don't know how this is gonna go. And even now, I'm actually still. We have no clue because um, what he did essentially was he removed everything. Um, except for I think he left an inch or an inch and a half of rectum. It's, it's a very small amount.
1: He did the surgery. Yes. Yeah.
3: Um, so he left a very small amount of rectum. So we really don't know how my recovery is going to be in a couple weeks when I get the surgery. Um, we're, we're
2: hoping. So he's going to go in a couple of weeks to try to have his ileostomy reversed. And what that means is they're going to put back together um, his small intestine to what's left of his colon. So hopefully he would have bowel, mo- bowel movements like he normally would have prior to having the ileostomy.
1: So do you still have cancer in your body?
3: Um. Well, so the one thing that I've been really gripping onto for literal dear life is when I sat down with Dr. Weiss before my first round of chemotherapy, um, because I got the surgery. Um, so I'll take a step back and then I'll I'll answer that question. Um, so I got the surgery and they sent it for pathology. Um, they removed all of the area that was affected by the cancer, as well as he cauterized um, a lot. Um, he he. When Doctor Ritter talks about the surgery, he talks about it was a it was a longer surgery than expected um, because they wanted to make sure they got everything. And then they removed seven lymph nodes Mm -hmm. um, because at the time of my first round I actually had two lymph nodes that were affected by the cancer. Um, So they just wanted to make sure that there was no leftover disease. Um, So I had gotten the call about two weeks before Thanksgiving and it was Moffitt. I was like this is weird Moffitt doesn't call me. And Dr. Strasberg's nurse assistant or her his um, assistant she was like, so we need to see you again. And I was like, why? And she was like, well, because of the pathology results. And I was like, dot, dot, dot. I was like, explain. And she was like, well, they found cancer in it. Did, have they not told you yet? And I was like, no, I have an appointment next week with Dr. Weiss. And that's, he likes to, Dr. Weiss is big on telling things in person. Of course. Um, and so, you know, my stomach dropped. Um, and I called Gina, I remember calling Gina hysterical, like sobbing, like gut crying, because, you know, that's, I had just gone from beating cancer. I was on a high, like right. I felt so alive. You know, you get this new sense of, uh, you know, living, you know, before cancer. And I it's weird because cancer cured my depression. And I, like, I say that all the time, like cancer cured my depression. And it's because, you know, I'm not saying that, my depression isn't there. I, you know, I still take medicine for it. But like, you know, before and again, it's you know, kind of a raw subject, but I struggle with suicidal thoughts. Um, I struggle with intrusive thoughts. I struggle before with the cancer. Depression. Yeah. And between the time that I had beat the cancer and the time that I found out that my cancer was still there, I had pretty much taken myself off of my depression medication. I had this new sense of living. You know, I went on a trip with my, my best friend to visit my cousin in Iowa. Um, I, you know, I was back at work. I was, you know, applying for new positions at work, trying to move up. You know, I just felt this new sense of urgency to live my life, Mm -hmm. you know, and to be thankful for my life. And, you know, obviously depression still exists. It's not, you know, it's, you know, it's a chemical imbalance or it's a, or however it's, um, I don't know like the details, but like, you know, it doesn't always just go away, but like those thoughts and those, that struggle that I, I originally had gone through, it was crazy because it was just gone Yeah. Wow. because all that mattered in my life was I was given a second chance. And so that second chance was taken away from me. And I just remember being hysterical um, and Gina called Dr. Weiss again. I think it was an his day off poor Dr. Weiss. I always feel bad, <laughs> but <laughs> you know, and Dr. Weiss, he, he was like, well, let's calm down. Let's breathe. He was like, you know, it's removed. You know, that's the biggest thing is it's removed
1: as it's much removed as we, from, what?
3: from my body, Okay. the, you know, the, the site of where the tumor was is out of my body. Um, as much as we know. And you know that he was like, you know, we need to stay positive. Um, And it was also found in a lymph node. So in the three months that I had beat cancer and chemotherapy lives in your body for three, four weeks. Mm -hmm. So in the three, four weeks that chemo was still living in my body and the five months of treatment, the cancer survived. And so it had started growing again. And that's what was found in my resection and the removal of that area. So, you know, Dr. Weiss was very big on, you know, just stay positive, stay, you know, hopeful. Because as of right now, and this is where I had this whole topic was, is we started with no evidence of disease. And that is what he had said no evidence of gross disease. And what that means is there was no physical tumor as of, like, with the naked eye and with Mm -hmm. scans. You could not see any disease, so essentially, neuroendocrine carcinoma likes to live with one to twelve to twenty cells mm. and grow back. So that's why for the first five years of me being in remission, I have to go back so regularly. Is because all it needs is one cell, and it'll grow back. And so, um, I got the surgery. You know, I had gone in. And that surgery was, I'm not even going to sugarcoat it. It was terrible. (laughs) Um, Painful. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Getting, it's, it's, so they said that you wanted it all. So basically what they do is they cut your abdomen open and they, it's an open surgery. So they pull your muscles apart and they go to town and they remove what they need to. Um, So when they put it all back together, It takes a while. It took me about two months before I was able to really be 100% again. And even then, like even now, um, I think I'm three months out from the surgery and I'm still, you know, things that I can't really do. Um, But I would not go back. You know, that surgery saved my life Mm -hmm. because they found it in one of uh, the lymph nodes. So it was already trying to move again.
1: So where are you today?
3: Today I am 1 week away from finishing chemo again. Wow. So next week is my last round of chemo.
0: Congratulations. Yeah. yeah. I don't That's think great. you
2: mentioned uh, but he had the surgery and then we had to do 3 months, was it 3 months of three months. chemo again. So he'd already done chemo radiation once. Yeah. Then we had to have surgery with an ileostomy and then we did chemotherapy again. Mm-hmm. For three months. Every two weeks? Every
3: two weeks, which is brutal. Yeah. Um, But I don't regret it. You know, I don't regret fighting for my life. You know, it's, that's really what's on the table. And, you know, people talk about, oh, you have a choice. You always have a choice in life. And, and yeah, but death is not a choice, Mm -hmm. in my opinion. I, I mean, you know. Obviously, other people will feel otherwise, but at 27 years old, death is not a choice. There is no choice that I'm going to choose that.
1: So, what would your message be to for? Because you had no idea; you thought it was a hemorrhoid. You know, what would your message be for the average person out there?
3: So, I actually wrote it down. Um, I wrote down kind of like I think it's six points, seven points of things that I learned from having cancer mm-hmm. and fighting cancer and dealing with um my ileostomy and my experience of having a stoma. Um so my first one I wrote down is pay attention to your body. You know, listen to your body. Mm-hmm. You know, I there's a TikTok right now and it's like, "Oh, li- if you listen to your body, it'll tell you what you need." But that's true. It's very true. For sure. If you listen to your body and you really let it tell you it'll tell you if it needs something. And, you know, me listening to my body and really just going with my gut is where we found it in the first place. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I wrote, don't be afraid to talk about it. And, you know, a big thing is being a man and what I've noticed with my family and my friends that aren't gay, because I do have a lot of friends that are, you know, heterosexual, is it's a touchy subject they don't like to talk about it. Mm-hmm. They don't they feel uncomfortable about it. They're like, "Oh, well that's well, that's gay or that's weird or that's it's it's your life."
1: Had you not talked about you being in pain,
3: I wouldn't have known. Correct. I wouldn't have thought right. anything about it because my dad, you know, 55 years old, he was like, "Well, that's just hemorrhoids. Use this cream. You know, take this medicine. It'll go away eventually mm-hmm. or they can band it. It's it's fine." But, you know, had I not talked about my, you know, talked with my group, of friends that are more comfortable, I wouldn't have known, I wouldn't have even thought Mm -hmm. to go get checked out. I mean, 27 years old, you're not like, oh, let me go get a colonoscopy. You're not really jumping the gun for that. No. No (laughs) one is. (laughs) even at 55, (laughs) you know, my dad. My dad hadn't gotten his first colonoscopy until all of this happened with me, Um, you know? Get checked, get your colonoscopy. You know, if you feel like something is wrong up there, go get a colonoscopy. It's expensive, but it can save your life. Because, you know, Dr. Ritter says it all the time. He has a 17-year-old right now that has a colostomy bag because that person is fighting colorectal cancer. Mm. And he mentions them, you know, and he's like, you know, I have a 17-year-old that's fighting for their life. You see it younger and younger. Every single day it's getting younger. And, you know, you never know. Don't take your youth for granted. Mm-hmm. You know, just because you're young does not mean that you aren't going to deal with something like that. Because you you every bit of could. Um, so, yeah, that's like my a big thing. And I know that that's a big topic you guys probably want to talk about too is colonoscopies. Because that's the biggest part of colorectal cancer is getting screened getting checked getting colonoscopies well i think
1: that's our mission for the month of march is Absolutely. colorectal cancer awareness how someone who had no idea thought it was a hemorrhoid got cancer and that's the this we're giving out squatty potties at the hospital we're encouraging getting the um exams you have to or you'll never know
2: yeah i would like to add uh 45 is the new 50 so because young said Colorectal cancer is on the rise. Actually, I can give you a statistic that's pretty alarming. People born around 1990 have twice the risk of developing rectal cancer. No. Have twice the risk of developing colon cancer and four times the risk of developing rectal cancer than those born around 1950. And And why
0: is that? Do we know?
2: So the experts believe it could be a combination of things. It's our diet. It's our sedentary lifestyle. Processed Foods are bad for us, um, red meats, the older population, W- she looked at me for a second. <laughs> the older po- <laughs> <laughs> the, the, Yeah. The older populations are getting screened. Smoking has gone has decreased, which was a huge, huge cause of colorectal cancers. So Brandon's my youngest patient, but I have several patients that are in their thirties f- and forties with wow. stage three or four colorectal cancer. And the problem with young people is you have to advocate for yourself. Because even when you go to the doctor, they don't want to think of a 27-year-old with a colorectal cancer. So like Brandon said, he went to the first doctor and they kind of didn't find anything. Or they will tell him, oh, it's a hemorrhoid. Try this. But you have to advocate for yourself. You have to know your body.
0: Gina means that because she just thumped the table with her fist. Well, I'm glad that's what you have 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 to do. You You have to advocate for yourself. To add to that,
3: you know, the first time I went to the hospital, I actually went to the hospital early on. Mm-hmm. And he stuck his finger and, and up there and he, you know, screened me, just the normal screening. And he goes, you know, um, it's probably just hemorrhoids. And, you know, the ER is for emergencies, Brandon.
0: Right, right. and that's
2: That ha- was
3: the first thing that I heard during all of this. You yeah. know, the ER is, is for emergencies.
2: This happens so often. And uh, younger people are getting their colorectal cancers are being found in later stages, stage 3s and 4s. And the reason being, there's a combination. One, they don't like talking about it, so they're not going to the doctor. Um, And two, they're being dismissed. So by the time they finally have symptoms strong enough for someone to do something about it, the cancer, um, it takes an average, maybe not Brandon's because he's got a special cancer, uh, but... Typical colorectal cancers take uh, 10 to 15 years to grow, which is why if you're an average risk in individual, then you would normally get colonoscopies every 10 years.
0: So what are the symptoms that people should watch out for?
2: So symptoms of colorectal cancer, kind of what Brandon had, definitely rectal bleeding, which can also be hemorrhoids. So that's why sometimes it's mistaking for that. Um, abdominal pain, unintentional weight loss, symptoms that come on that you're not used to having and that do not go away. Um, it can be very vague, and actually, the most common symptom of colorectal cancer is no symptoms at all.
1: Obviously, I mean, yeah. And, that's and why by the time you have symptoms,
0: how far along are you?
2: Oh, that's so. By the time you have symptoms, usually you're later stages. That's why we want you to Yikes. get screened before you ever have symptoms, so that we can remove those polyps that will eventually could eventually turn into a colorectal cancer.
0: Now, you may or may not want to answer this, but Coligar.
2: Cologuard, uh, so the at-home test you can do yep. to see yes. if you have colon cancer. So you have to speak to your doctor. I'll talk about Cologuard, and then there's also something called a FIT test. They check for different things. Cologuard uh, checks for DNA, DNA um, in your stool that we that you cannot see. Uh, it has to be done every three years. The FIT test checks for microscopic blood in your stool that you can't see, but you can do it at home and then a lab will check it. The thing with these tests is if it comes positive, you still have to have a colonoscopy. Sure,
0: sure. Mm-hmm. But my reading says that they're fair. If you don't have a history...
2: Right, it's for average... Or you're
0: not high-risk.
2: Average-risk individual, meaning yeah. no family history. You haven't had colonoscopies in the past that where they found polyps. Right. Um, you have no symptoms. It's for people who... Um, Really, yeah, for people that just have no symptoms and they there are healthy people that Curious. wouldn't need to be a mm-hmm. co- have a colonoscopy. Colonoscopies are still the gold standard, however.
0: Mm-hmm. So, Brandon, you had six things. I think you told us like three of them. What are I the did. other three that you focus um, on?
3: So, well, actually, I, I want to add to the whole Cologuard. Sure. Um, and for me, you know, if I could say something to my crowd, You know, under 30, gay, or straight, either or. I mean, it doesn't discriminate. Cancer does not discriminate. You know, those at-home tests, maybe if your gut is telling you, maybe try it. You know, for me, I don't think that mine would even have popped up. Because I don't have, technically, I don't have colon cancer or rectal cancer. Technically, my cancer is just a general, it's a net tumor. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's where it's like, you know, the first step, though, is, you know, giving that the chance and try, seeing, you know, and I think personally, and again, it's a controversial subject, a subject, but, um, you know, nowadays, the younger crowd, you see less people with insurance, and that's actually a big thing that I fought with. Um, Is because my insurance that I get through my job um, in which again the topic of I mean this the Sentence or the I guess the saying is everything happens for a reason. I got my job with benefits 90 days before I got Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah 90 days before I got diagnosed with cancer. Actually, I think it was 93 days. So Um, I got insurance the day I started, which is not common nowadays. Um, And on my 90 days when I left my, um, I guess, probationary period or where, you know, you don't have your your time off, you don't have everything. And I got my disability insurance in 90, I think it was 93 or 94 days. Had I got diagnosed a little bit earlier, I would have had to do all of this and still go to work.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So to wrap things up, the three other notes that you have for me- a message for the average person.
3: So, and these ones are kind of shorter. Um, yeah. Don't let, and this is people who have gotten cancer, because I think that that's a big thing that, you know, you guys wanted me because is, you know, I'm dealing with this firsthand. Um, don't let your diagnosis kill you, you know, fight for your life don't let it bury you because a big thing that i struggled with when i first got cancer is the unknown and i think that that's like the big thing is you we get settled into the known you know what you know about your life you know that and you know and you really don't but you know you know you're going to go to sleep at night you know you're going to wake up the next morning you know that you're going to go to work you know that you're going to work 25 30 years and retire but then when you get taken out of that known, it shakes you, mm-hmm. you know, and I kept burying myself. I kept saying, you know, I don't, I don't want to die. I don't want to die. And, you know, it took me a long time and a lot of therapy to rewrite the way my brain works and tell myself if I do, I'm going to at least live until I do because, you know, it, can so easily stop you from enjoying your life. You can get so worried about you know. Right now, I'm trying to think about what I'm doing in three months. Um, I want to go in actually in two weeks. Um, I'm going to visit my brother's um, grave. I had told you guys about. Um, I lost my brother to COVID a little over a year ago, and I because I've been fighting cancer for so long, I haven't gotten to visit his grave since they put the the tombstone or the the stone up. Um, And he met his wife at a local park. They worked at a state park together. Um, So they gave him a bench and a tree in his uh, memorial. Um, I haven't gotten to see that. They visited that last year on his birthday and I was fighting cancer. Um, So that's my first thing that I want to do. And I told Dr. Ritter with the reversal surgery, that was my priority. Mm -hmm. I want to go visit my brother's grave. He said, then we'll do it after. So, you know, do the things that you want to do. Do not let the three-month scan, the six-month scan stop you from at least trying to plan cruises, vacations, visiting family, doing things that you want to do, you know. And, you know, I'm religious, which is really not common, you know, for my crowd, especially, you know, with uh, on, with gay people. It's not really common to have religious gay people, you know, and find... Find your God, find a God, find a reason. Whether that be family, whether that be friends, whether that be your job, whether that be, you know, for me, it's my religion and my, my purpose for living. You know, that's another big thing. And tell everyone you love them. And like some of my friends feel kind of uncomfortable by it, but I really don't care. Mm-hmm. Love you guys. Of course not. I literally end every single phone call With I love you, yeah. Because that's nice. I went within two weeks. I went from being fully alive, living my life. I was partying. I was typical. I always say a piece of crap twenty year old. (laughs) You know, I was out partying with my friends. I was going on vacations. I was eating like crap. I was you know taking everything for granted, to having a doctor tell me I don't want to lose you. Mm -hmm. It is so fast. And then you know with COVID. Even before that, my brother went from being 33 years old, two weeks later, my brother was dead. You never know how long you have in this life. Tell everyone that you love them, Mm. you know, And, and that's like a big thing for me.
1: Well, thank you for sharing your story. That's so crazy, and we are excited to hear the success that's going to come from the rest of your story too. Yeah, we
0: have Absolutely. to think positively, right? That's Absolutely. Right. You know, that's
3: great. We were talking, and um, <laughs> I really couldn't have done this without Halifax. Um, you know, I've been to both of the local hospitals around Halifax and Advent, and you know, my Halifax team has been so helpful, and so has Advent. You know, everybody. It really, you know, it just I I thank Dr. Weiss every day and I've thanked Gina every day. And I tell them that, you know, I thank you for my life. Mm-hmm. Because even with having chemo, I have my life back. I am not in pain. And I was in so much pain for so long that you forget what it's like to not be in pain. You forget what it's like to not be miserable, to sleep, to enjoy going to work and not have to take pain medicine in order to just function. You know, you forget what that's like, Mm -hmm. you know, and I thank my Halifax team and, you know, I don't have this one, but, you know, I said it earlier is, I really hope that people do more research than the bad of a colonosc- or a cola, um, oh my goodness.
2: Colostomy. (laughs) Colostomy,
3: I'm so sorry. Um, and an ileostomy because I dove down the rabbit hole, but Mm -hmm. I dove down the wrong rabbit hole. Of
1: course, Dr. Google, you know, I Mm -hmm. was like,
3: oh, well, you know, what is it like to have a uh, colostomy bag? I should not have really done that. I should have looked on YouTube to the people that have them firsthand and are dealing with them. Mm -hmm. I should have looked to my friends that believe it or not, you have more friends that have them than they'll, you know, some people don't talk about it. Some people won't tell you. Some people are open about it and they get them removed. Mm -hmm. You know, a big thing for me after all of this and what I want to do is I want to start, you know, maybe it looks like a podcast or maybe it looks like a blog, but talking about my experience with my ileostomy because it's, I, they always, they're like, oh, you know, you're going to have this dietary restriction. And I'm a terrible person with my diet. I'm just going to be very honest. But it's again, listen to your body. you know I I drink coffee. I, they told me that you were you're not going to be able to do coffee. Mm-hmm. Coffee is gonna mess you up. You're going to be in a lot of pain. I tried coffee the first time about two months ago, and it's fine. And I love coffee. I love to eat. It's like my favorite thing on love. I love food and dietary restrictions, you know, for me, personally, I just stick to not doing the ones that are like the big no-nos like, dairy, um, and seeds, um, high, uh, like very high fiber foods. I have an ileostomy, so I, I have to be careful about high fiber foods because it can stop me up. Um, so I try not to eat high fiber foods. Um, nothing fried. I really try to stay away from fried, even though I love, love fried food. Um, you know, I try my hardest to stay away from mm-hmm. it, but you know, you don't know how your body is going to react to something until you do it. And if you don't give yourself the chance because you're scared of what the outcome is, there's a possibility of an even worse outcome. Mm -hmm. Had I not gotten this surgery and had I not had Gina, who is so knowledgeable of the subject, to talk to and to comfort me on getting the ostomy, I would have never done it because I would have been so scared. I was so scared to get my ostomy. And I actually, the other day, was talking to my parents and I was like, what if I didn't get it removed? Mm -hmm because it, it's just really, it's just another thing. It's just another part of me. Right. And you know, I wanna get it removed personally because uh, you never know. And again, I'm all about you never know in life. You know, it it does stop me from certain things that I love. I do love roller coasters and that's like my biggest, I'm actually, I have a hat that says I heart coasters because it I'm huge on roller coasters. Um, and there are certain types of roller coasters that I cannot ride because they press on your stomach a little too for tight sure. or you, you're you flying, so you're you're laying down and, you know, so that's a big thing for me as I was like, you know, I wanna go back to theme parks and go back to visiting new theme parks. That's my, another thing that I wanna do. Um, I wanna ride 100 roller coasters by the end of the, ro- uh, the year. Nice. And I'm at, I think I'm at 80, oh, 82, nice. um, that I've ridden in my lifetime. So like, that's a big thing. But, you know, you never know. and you know the ileostomy is not what you think it is the colostomy is not what you think it is
0: mm -hmm.
3: you know it's it's more normal than you think and it's you know a big message that i've really pushed with my friends is it yeah it's gross i'm not even gonna it it is gross Mm -hmm. you kind of do have to toughen your stomach up a little bit i you know, my mom works for a gastroenterologist, you know, so I talk about poop a lot. I talk about my rectum a lot, you know, and it, it's just become a normal thing in my household and my family. And both of my parents hadn't gotten to get or hadn't gone to get their uh, their first colostomy. A colostomy, oh my goodness. I always do that. Um, colonoscopy. Mm-hmm. Um, and my dad has, and my mom is next. Right. Well, you inspiration. You know, you never know. Right. And especially once, you know, she said... It was 40 is the new 50 or 45 is the new 50.
2: 45 is the new 50.
3: You know, it's getting younger Mm -hmm. and younger and younger. You know, once you hit that 45 or you hit that recommended age and your doctor says you need to go get a colonoscopy, go get the colonoscopy. It's really not that bad. You go to sleep for like 30 minutes. You wake up a little groggy, but that's it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's so much easier than people make it out to be.
1: You're right. Well, Brendan, we appreciate you telling us your story. Twenty-seven years old. We're gonna stay positive and we're gonna keep we can't wait to hear the rest of your story, which is after you're done with cancer and you beat it, you can come back and say that.
3: I am really excited for that because yes. in my heart I feel so optimistic about this. Mm-hmm. You know, Likewise. and especially with a team like Dr. Weiss and yeah. Gina, I know that I can do anything, whether it be, you know, and i my niece. I have a nine year old niece cried to me the other day and she's like well Brandon are you ever gonna really beat this and I was like yes you know and yeah
2: we're so proud of you a
3: year ago I wasn't really that that way but and I told her no matter what no matter if I have to do this a hundred times I'm gonna do it a hundred times with Dr. Weiss and Gina that's
1: right Gina how can people get in contact with you if they want more information
2: well, my name is Gina Lawrence. Uh, you can call me G.I. Gina if you forget my name, and <laughs> my number is 386-425-BLUE. Call me with any questions. I'm happy to help.
0: Awesome. Great, great, great story. Thank you for sharing. I know yes. it's not easy, and you were so organized about it. Yeah, I would it. You know, that's it. great. And thank Gina, you. thank you for what you do.
2: Yes, thank you. Thanks for having me. We
0: appreciate you. Yeah. Thank you for having for me. I, do. I feel honored yeah.
3: that Our you guys – you chose me and thought of me.
2: Yeah, of course. So Good many on.
0: great things happen under the tower. That's right. You know, and we forget sometimes. Um, the real reason we're here is for our patients, and we got to got to hear a story today that hopefully makes a difference with other people's lives. And so it will. we are going to sign off. Yes, I'm for John sure. Guthrie and Kaylee Durrance. and we are under, under the, the tower. tower.